Entertaining Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. I'm Alicia, and I'm here with Deb and Sue. Hi, ladies. Hi. So in complete honesty, I forgot to hit record, so we're having to record this all over again. (laughs) And I'm totally going to blame it on Mercury being in retrograde because it couldn't possibly be me. No, it was totally, totally, totally Mercury. (laughs) How has your week been so far? It's been very up and down and kind of gone round a few bends and things like that. But yeah, wine and being off tomorrow and it's a long weekend and so I'm good. Oh, so you're going out on a high. <sighs> some sort of <laughs> some sort of high. Wine induced high. <laughs> How about you, Deb? Yeah, well, I kinda wish I was having some wine and not off tomorrow, just like Sue, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll Don't drink me. for you. Thank you. <laughs> Just tired, just trying to get through the week with the time change. I don't think if it's ever hit me like this before, at least that I remember. So yeah, it's it's an okay week, but yeah, struggling to stay awake in the evening. Yeah, those darn time changes, they really hit you, hey? Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't sure if it was the time change, whether I was tired, but I had a migraine for like three days that was really bad. And then I accidentally dyed my hair purple, which <laughs> wasn't something I intentionally did, but my husband wasn't here to say, no, that you shouldn't probably do that. But So what I, color were you supposed to be dyeing it? Well, I was trying. Okay, so I shouldn't go on YouTube, but I did. <laughs> and I almost lost my wine. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll lighten and brighten my hair. And I had this purple shampoo. Well, I'm now like this lilac sort of color. It probably yeah. looks pretty used to it. I mean, I have deliberately dyed my hair purple, so um, maybe not the best person to kind of comment. Well, <laughs> but you know when you have really good intentions and you expect it to be just like they happens on YouTube? Yeah. <sighs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That's not at all what we were going to talk about tonight. So tonight we're going to talk about heart health for women. And it's something that we don't normally talk about, which is strange because heart disease kills more women than all other diseases put together. And it's like one in every four women will actually die of heart disease. And we never hear of that, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about it. Like the stats are really hard to imagine. And I was telling Deb the other day that I need to go in for my annual blood work. I usually get my blood work and my BP and my cholesterol levels. And I also usually get an ECG. Ever since I turned 50, my doctor has always just, you know, once I get my blood work, I get an ECG at the same time. But Deb had mentioned that she doesn't or she hasn't had an ECG ever. I'm wondering what you think about that, Sue. I don't think I've had one. Although I used to be quite handy at setting people up for them in my past. And I'm not, unless there's a clinical reason for doing them, I I don't think they're that necessary. But that's just because I am not a believer in necessarily screening for things unless there's a reason to do it. You know, I, I kind of believe quite strongly that there, there should be a, a very good, clear rationale for why it's being done. And now I'm thinking I need to go and look through the kind of the guidelines to see if that's something that should be done. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I've been doing a lot of research on it and they used to do a lot of research on men's hearts mm -hmm. and they did all of this research thinking that the human heart was the human heart and that if they do the research on men, it must be the same as women. And they've discovered that that is actually not true at all and that the signs and symptoms of heart disease in women are much different than they are in men. And a lot of times women experience certain signs and symptoms. And because we're so ingrained with knowing what the signs and symptoms of heart attacks are in men, when they happen to women, we don't recognize it as, mm -hmm. a, as a heart attack. And a lot of the signs and symptoms actually kind of mimic the same ones that we get through perimenopause and menopause. Also, they've discovered that heart attacks in women can be triggered by emotional stress. And quite often they happen during rest or while we're asleep. So we don't necessarily seek help until we've already had years and years of damage to our arteries. So I'm not sure if this is something that we should be getting done as often as we get, say, like a mammogram. We're so used to getting those kind of tests done. So why wouldn't we actually get a test done for heart disease if it's, you know, a lot more common? I don't know. What do you think about that, Deb? Yeah, I think if it's the number one, you know, cause of death in women, I, I think it should be something that's done. You know, I don't know how regular, but it should be something done. Um, I've never had it done. And I think I've just almost been um, oblivious to it, to be honest. You know, I do get everything else checked. I think because I'm healthy and I eat and I'm active, I've just written it off as I, I'm healthy and I'm good. But I realize that's not the case, you know, and genetics play a part. And you can have, a, you know, athletes drop dead of heart attacks, male and female. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very interesting. I was shocked when I saw the um, the warning signs in, in women. I was surprised um, that they are so close to perimenopause symptoms. Well, they are. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I feel I'm going to be getting done at my next appointment or talking to my doctor about, just so I, I know. Once you turn 50, they seem to put more of an emphasis on these kind of preventative kind of tests. Um, just to see where your baseline is and what or what they need to look out for. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple test to get done. I come out of there feeling pretty good. So yeah, it's um, peace of mind. It yeah. is. They do say that women tend to have heart attacks 10 years after menopause. And it's believed that estrogen actually plays a part with that. Mm -hmm. The research they've done is says that estrogen is believed to have a positive effect on the inner layer of our artery walls, which help to keep the blood vessels flexible. So when we lose estrogen, we lose that kind of layer of protection. Plus, of course, as we age, we tend to, if we're not careful, we can get higher blood pressure or our cholesterol kind of creeps up because we're not maybe as active as we used to be. I think all of those things kind of play a part. But I do know that by the time you have heart problems, you've had years and years of heart disease before then. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think if I know I might have an issue with my heart, I would like to know now so I can kind of prevent that down the road. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the thing is, you can do the preventative work anyway. And that's really what women need to be doing so it's you know looking at your family history because that's really important to know you know what what is your blood pressure like if you've got high blood pressure then it needs to be sorted out if you've got 
high cholesterol, if you've got cholesterol issues, it needs to be sorted out. You know, how's your weight? What sort of physical activity are you doing? Do you smoke? How's your stress? So those are all prevention things that you can be doing basically all your life. And, you know, it's not about you need to kind of start doing that as you get towards perimenopause or something. And I think one of the things... Like I think, what is it, Jen Gunter talks about is, you know, making sure you're going to the right places for your information and, you know, making sure that you are getting the, the best information, you know, just because I know you're both very careful about doing it. I'm very careful about doing it. But, you know, don't just do a random Google check. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Go yes. to places like um, the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Like I know back when I was in the UK, I always looked to the British Heart Foundation because the information that they provided is just phenomenal. And, you know, you, you can email these people, you can email these groups and, and kind of get information and find out what you might need to be doing and, you know, sort of what should you be asking your doctor about? Because there was a, a Grey's Anatomy thing <laughs> <laughs> episode it always comes back to Grey's Anatomy which you know is not always known for being the most accurate thing but I think there was an episode where where Bailey is she knows that she's having a heart attack and you know she's a very well-renowned very experienced general surgeon and she goes to another hospital and says I'm having a heart attack and they don't believe her And that's Mm. why it's so important, you know, sort of like for me, that really kind of rammed it home that I need to know what the signs and symptoms are of a heart Mm -hmm. attack so that I can get myself the the best help as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And I think that, you know, everything that we hear, what we've been taught are the signs and symptoms of a man having a heart attack. Yeah. But you're right, Sue, like you really do have to go to the right places for your information. And I did go to the Canadian Heart and Stroke website, which has a lot of really good information, Mm -hmm. too. I specifically went to the women's health section. And it does say that tightness in chest and chest pain is not always present when a woman is having Mm -hmm. a heart attack like it is with men. And that's kind of what we vision, right? You know, we Mm -hmm. see the ads of the heart attack where, you know, a man is clutching their chest, but that's not always the case with women. Mm -hmm. A lot of the signs are pain or discomfort in the neck or the jaw, shoulder, upper back and abdomen, shortness of breath, pain in one or both arms, nausea or vomiting, sweating, lightheadedness or dizziness, unusual fatigue and indigestion. Well, a lot of those things would be hard to distinguish from menopause symptoms. Yeah, yeah so many of those are my everyday symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, not all at looking... the same time. I think if I was having everything at the same time, then, you know, hopefully something in my brain would kind of go, okay, this isn't normal. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. I can cycle through quite a lot of those in a day. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that is why we don't notice these things that are happening because quite often we just think, okay, well, I've had this before or, you know, this feels like something else. And we kind of push it away because number one, we're women and we don't recognize those things. So Mm -hmm. I think that maybe there should be more talk about it, what the signs and symptoms are, just so that we do recognize it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, it's another thing where in many ways we're kind of expected to educate ourselves 
And, you know, that that's kind of the problem with having so much available information. You know, where do you go to get that really good information? Because I know like on and off for maybe the past 10 years, I've had palpitations, but it's usually literally one or two and then it's gone and I may not have them ever again. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> there was one day and uh, I'd been to Starbucks and I'd had a coffee of some sort and I had really bad palpitations and it was just out of control. And I spoke to a friend of mine because she's a nurse and I'm like, what do I do? I said, this is not normal for me. And kind of we went through everything and she's like, yeah, it could be the coffee. And, you know, she really calmed me down. And then it was like, but you should probably go and get that checked out because it was so unusual to Mm -hmm. have like those symptoms and like it wasn't painful. It was just a lot of palpitations for quite a significant amount of time. Turns out it was the coffee, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you've got it checked. No, you don't. No. One of the symptoms that I had for perimenopause was felt like your heart was missing a beat of some sort, Mm -hmm. like it was out of rhythm a little bit. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, and I did bring this up with my doctor and he said, well, that's a very common thing. It's not a sign of heart disease. It's very common for perimenopause. So sometimes I need to because I, as we've said before, I have an imagination and I can imagine all kinds of things. (laughs) So I like to get those things checked so that I have this piece of paper and he gives me the print out yeah. so I feel good and I think maybe somebody that has grown up with anxieties and things like that that's that's kind of all we need to kind of put our mind at rest that in some ways is kind of a downside for me because mm-hmm. it means that a lot of like when things happen I can kind of rationalize them yeah. and say oh well you know it could be this and it could be that and I will kind of work through a lot of things before I would necessarily go and get them checked mm-hmm. I think I was like that for years too, that I would always come up with a reason of why something was like it was. But I've changed so much over the last little while that now I just want, I just want everything to be okay. And if that means Mm -hmm. I need to get that test, then I'll get that test. You know, Uh it's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it puts my mind at ease. And I actually made my husband go and get all his because he's the type of person too that, you know, I think he had like six blood work requisitions hanging on the fridge over the years that he never actually went and got all his tests done. Uh And then finally, I said, okay, this is driving me crazy. You need to go get all these tests done. His father died of a heart attack when he was 54. So I'm thinking, you know, go get all this stuff out. Like, if it's not going to put your mind at ease, it'll put my mind at ease. And Mm -hmm. he was fine, too. So now I don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to say I'm more likely (laughs) to worry about everyone else's health than I am about my own. Yes, I do the same thing. It's a bad quality. (laughs) Well, and the thing it, is, it, I'm I'm going to be at the front of that line. If somebody was to come to me and say, I've got this, this and this, I would be like, well, we need to go and get that checked out. That, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a problem for you. It's bothering you. But if I was to have those things, then, you know, sometimes you would have to haul me over hot coals to get me anywhere near my doctor. And I have a great relationship with him. Like we get on really well. But yeah, I'm just not a fan of going to see him. That's definitely a woman's thing, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. making sure everybody else gets all their stuff done and you put yourself on the back burner. Mm -hmm. You know, we are invincible in some ways (laughs) in our own minds. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Heart disease can be greatly controlled by exercise and diet. 
And Cheryl Strachan, who is a registered dietitian here in Calgary, who specializes in cardiac health, recently published a new cookbook called The 30-Minute Heart-Healthy Cookbook, Delicious Recipes for Low-Sodium Meals. Have you had a chance to look at it? I like it. There's lots of things in there that I would cook. And there's lots of things that I think my husband and I would enjoy. Whether or not I would actually get my kids to try them is another thing because, you know, they're pretty good. But when it comes to anything that might be a little bit healthier that they're not used to, there is that resistance. And I must admit, I can be like that too. You know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to, to vary things a little bit. It, it does make a big difference if you've got kids at home. Or yeah. especially teenagers at home, for sure. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. they eat so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the volume of food that they consume. That's the problem. <laughs> and it's not always at the right time. It's like they'll eat a load of stuff. And then I'm like, but look, look what I made. And it's like, well, I'm not really hungry now. Yeah, it does have its challenges, for sure. Deb, what did you think about the book overall? I enjoyed the book. I thought 30 minutes and the meal is done and the recipes call for um, very a lot of simple ingredients that you have in your cupboard. Not all the recipes, of course, but a lot of them. And I actually tried that black bean quesadillas tonight and it was so good. I just went through the book thinking, okay, what do I have in the pantry? And that one, I had everything. I like the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't complicated ingredients that you had to go run out and buy and then never mm-hmm. use again. I only looked at the vegetarian recipes in it, so I'm not sure about all the other things. Being a vegetarian for 19 years and my husband for seven, because he also has celiac disease, already have to pay a lot of attention to what I cook anyway. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's changed. You know, it's just my husband and I at home, so it's a lot easier to cook with just the basic stuff. I don't have to worry about, you know, what my kids will eat and won't eat. And Sue, I had two boys, so I really know that that can be a big challenge. Well, it's one of those things I've, you know, right from the get go, I was always adamant that we would all eat the same meal and that I wouldn't make one meal for like Manny and I and one for the boys. And so I'm kind of sticking by that, you know, sort of like if we're eating it, they're eating it. Mm -hmm. And um, the battles are are slightly different now. But most of the time, if I can add chicken to it, then we're okay. Mm -hmm. If there's chicken available, then at least one of them's happy. Yeah, I was always making at least two different meals just because I was a vegetarian and my Mm -hmm. boys weren't. You know, over the years, then my husband became a vegetarian and then we found out he had celiac disease. So, so many things have changed. And there was a big transition period where I had to really learn a lot about total gluten-free. It was a big learning curve. But then once you figure that all out, it's actually really easy. And because of that, we don't have a lot of um, baked goods in the house and breads and pastas like that, which Mm -hmm. kind of helps me too. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I don't overindulge because, I mean, I really like to eat. But, <laughs> you know, my weakness is potatoes, like we've talked about before. Oh, potatoes. <laughs> so I was happy to see there were potatoes in this cookbook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's we all well know run. that the potato has a bad rap because it's actually not the potato that is the problem. It's all the crap that we put on it. So it was kind of nice to see that there was a big variety of of different options. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was all pretty simple, even though I did mess up one recipe because I wasn't paying attention. I think that was this week as well. So I'm going to blame it on the mercury retrograde (laughs) thing. 
but it ended up being quite tasty and I'll probably make it again. Hopefully I'll make it correctly next time. But um... Well, I've got to the stage of cooking where if something like that happens, I'm like, oh, oh, there was a glitch of some sort. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And like everyone's like, oh, no, it tastes fine. Because I've got a habit of telling people when I make a mistake with my cooking. And someone said, you've got to stop doing that. Because if no one's noticed, just play along with it. See? Mm -hmm. So you don't ever need to admit to that again. No. And you know what? At first I'm like, well, this recipe is not right at all. And then I'm looking (laughs) and I'm thinking, oh, (laughs) there was nothing wrong with the recipe. Um, But it was interesting. You know, I was reading a lot of the information that she had in in the front of the book and Mm -hmm. she was talking about fermented foods. And that's one thing that I really can't really wrap my head around. Are you used to fermented foods at all? No. 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 (laughs) I've kind of dabbled with kombucha. I'm very limited in my tastes because I'll only drink the ginger one. And Mm. I kind of like it, but... I can only kind of do about half a bottle and then I'm like, no, I think I'm done now. Yeah, it's kind of, I'm not great with things like that. Mm -hmm. Too weird a taste. Well, and I thought kombucha was a juice until I found out that there was a mother and babies and then that was two X-Files in my head (laughs) and it was like, I cannot. And then somebody showed me this thing and then you have to feed it and... It reminded me of when we were first married and we moved into our very first house and a neighbor came over with this bowl and she said, this is friendship or neighborhood stuff or whatever. And she gave me this bowl of yeasty smelling stuff. It came with this little instructions and you're supposed to feed it and grew and then you made bread or cake or whatever. And I thought people were playing a joke on me until... That was actually a thing that that's what you made cake out of. And it was really big back in the 80s. I have to say, I quite like sourdough bread, but for some reason that's ridiculously popular in this house. And (laughs) so I don't get as much of that as I would like. And I did contemplate buying one of the baby things, but calling it a baby is really (laughs) (laughs) off-putting. It's a scoby or something, isn't it? That's even worse because it sounds like scabies. Yes. (laughs) I think that's what I've heard. Like, what? Where did that name come from? Like, that's X Files stuff. Scobies and mothers and babies and feeding and and no, no, no. No. Knowing my luck, somebody would accidentally eat it and we'd have all sorts of issues to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) What's this, Mum? Oh, no, don't eat that. I don't understand that at all. Very popular right now. Yeah. They're everywhere, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Like I said, I keep thinking about it, but there's, it just seems like too high maintenance for me. You know, keeping myself and and everyone else alive is enough. I I don't need to be doing that with yeast products. (laughs) No, no, no. It's too uh, science fiction-y for my head to to kind of get around. (laughs) So you don't want us to get you a few of those for like <laughs> Christmas or anything. <laughs> like gift it, just have it delivered to your house. <laughs> no, please don't do that. Please don't. 
I was speaking to a, a colleague actually of, of Cheryl's one night this week and we were talking about how you know we do have this tendency to to get really hung up on what we're eating and we're eating the wrong things and we shouldn't eat potatoes and we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do that and you know how things like that really take away your enjoyment of just eating mm-hmm. you know and, and overthinking things and you know I think in the past I've kind of gone down that route where I have overthought everything and now what I liked about that cookbook is I didn't have to overthink it it was kind of done for me not mm-hmm. the overthinking but you know it was just all there <laughs> you don't need any help with that no no I can do that myself yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, she'd said um, basically what my dad always says and that everything in moderation. There's always a marketing thing, right? You should eat this. This is the superfood. Remember when kale was like the thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, and it went in everything. Yeah. I cannot eat kale. I cannot. There's one salad that I don't mind, but kale is awful. And I don't care if you put it in the oven and you crisp it up and you're supposed to eat it like potato chips. They do not taste like potato chips. I don't no. care what you say. No. Just give me a bag of Monster Munch and I'll be fine. <laughs> None of this messing around. (laughs) No, no, exactly. And I think, you know, when I need chocolate, I'm going to eat chocolate. When I want a potato, I'm going to eat a potato. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm -hmm. I've never been a person that can go on any kind of diet. So I'm just going to eat what I really want to eat. I already eat very healthy anyway. So I don't mind indulging in those little things, except when my husband buys a big bag of Mars bite-sized things and puts them in the freezer and then he leaves for a week and I know they're there. (laughs) And by the way, they're not there anymore. Let me just say that. How did you get on with your Halloween candy? I mean, did you have a lot of kids around and, you know, need to partake of some of that candy or did you just manage to get rid of it all? Um, <laughs> truth, I turned all my lights off. I watched a movie. My husband was out of town, so I ate all the candy myself. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I was away. We had zero kids. So... Yeah. We, my husband, ate the candy and he's still buying the boxes of candy that are on sale. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I could be found the next day in the 50% off. Yeah. You know, as you were stocking yeah. up the Christmas candy in the next aisle, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> That's right. I had bought my husband a big bag of those rockets. Those are his big thing every yeah. Halloween. Mm-hmm. And because he's had to fly back and forth for the past couple of weeks, I throw a big handful in his carry-on luggage. So <laughs> then when he phones me that night, he goes, I found my rockets. So I'm like, yeah. So I try to do all those things so that when he comes back and I've got purple hair that, he's, you know, I've already got brownie points. So, But That's is it right. like a, a rocket purple color? Because maybe that would be really good. Like if you well, could find what the purple is on the rockets and kind of match that. <laughs> it's getting there. It's fading. <laughs> it's fading to a pastel kind of color. Ooh. I'm just hoping I can fix it all because, you know, Christmas parties are coming up, right? So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Trip to the hairdresser time. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else to talk about? It's the usual thing. If anything is weird and bothering you or doesn't feel quite right, go and get it checked out. Don't sit around. Don't wait. Go and get it checked out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't start going down the Google highway. Oh, and don't YouTube anything. I I will say that. (laughs) 
never, it never turns out well. <laughs> so until next time, bye. 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 That was totally my fault because I didn't press record. <laughs> <laughs> based on our own personal experiences and should never be taken as professional advice. We may sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about, but the Taming Crazy podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so please consult with a qualified professional for any and all health advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.